Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for spending your Tuesday evening here on the Daily Boogie Podcast. Get yourself a drink, a beverage, a snack. Lots to get through, as always. I'm going to light some fires tonight. I'm going to pour some gasoline on a big burning shit show tonight. So you don't want to miss it. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next hour or so. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. Thank you for the super hearts. I haven't even started yet. I haven't even said anything. You may regret handing out those super hearts by the end of the program, my dear, I'm afraid. You may regret it. <laughs> but they're mine now. They're all mine now. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, well, I guess you can stick around. I guess you can hang around. That's fine. We're not very judgy here on the Daily Boogie. We can't afford to be. Our audience is so small and so tight-knit. If we start getting judgy, my audience drops by, you know, tens of a percent each time. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. So much to get through. Obviously... The title of Stop Pandering in the chat. <laughs> Thank you, Franklin. <laughs> the title of today's program should give you a little hint. What I'm going to do today is something that I would never normally do, and I dread doing it, but I feel that it's necessary now. And you'll see what I mean when we get into it. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to drag me over the coals, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Yes, you can see uh, send beer via post. Absolutely. Thank you for thinking of the poor, the poor beer stricken Australians. 30 cents a litre, the prices are going up. It's unacceptable. Damn fascism comes in many forms, doesn't it? Many forms. So, obviously the red flags, the red flags are out and they are waving violently, excitedly out there. Exactly. Who who here did their homework? Remember, I left you with some homework, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I asked you to keep your eyes and your ears peeled for this very thing. That we are talking about tonight. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take you back because people who have been listening to this show for the last four, five, six months will know that the the topic, the topic that we touch on more than anything on this program, if you're new to it, is the topic of internet freedom. So I'm going to take you back and show you where this all started. I am going to show you how some of the self-proclaimed social media influencers, and I, God, I hate that term so much. I'm going to show you how their thoughts are not necessarily their own. I'm going to show you where this drive came from, 
how it started, how it's being sold, and how it was just picked up like a brand new thing. All in the space of about 24 hours. And I'm going to show you why long-term listeners of this show would understand that I'm not going to be lectured to. As somebody who has been following this now four months on record, I'm not going to be lectured to by Ofish. Ofish self-proclaimed influencers who don't have the foresight to see beyond the next 12-hour media cycle or their or, or their own Twitter account who just clumsily fall ass backwards into an opinion because a politician they like said so. How about that? I'm going to show you where this all started, where it all came from, and why it is a burning bag of horse crap that needs to be stomped with somebody else's boots. So... Looking forward to that. Also got some other stuff that comes straight out of left field. Yes, we're going to revisit Alex Jones tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I'm afraid Alex was right. <laughs> I'm afraid Alex was right. Uh, a send in by a listener, so we'll get to that too. But let's start it off tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie podcast. This from the Washington Post and a more optimistic Headline, I cannot recall. Social media experts are sceptical of Trump's plan to fight gun violence online. And I thought, well, bravo. Well done. Some good news in the Washington Post. Finally, the social media experts are getting something right. But perhaps I celebrated a little too soon. Technology experts are sceptical of President Trump's call for internet companies to work with law enforcement and the Justice Department to develop tools to detect mass shootings before they even happen. No, this is not a science fiction movie. No, this is not Tom Cruise starring in Minority Report. This is not pre-crime. This is real life. Do not adjust your monitors. This is real life. They say the Trump administration had an especially bad track record on addressing violence on social media and has ignored major opportunities to take action on this front, both at home and with other countries. Are you following along? Don't worry, this will all make sense in just a few minutes. Instead, they lament... Trump's tech policy focus has heavily centered on accusing big tech of anti-conservative bias, accusations the companies deny and have not been backed by substantial evidence. <laughs> all those all those video records by Project Veritas. All of those documents coming out of big tech that were leaked by whistleblowers don't even exist. It's just a right-wing conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen. Go back to bed. Trump promised that the perils of the internet and social media cannot be ignored, and they will not be ignored. After this weekend's shootings in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio, the president spent more time blaming the internet and social media for the shootings than racism, hatred or access to guns, according to an analysis by my colleague Philip Bump. While Trump is now promising to shine a light on the dark corners of the internet, experts note that the administration did not even sign onto the Christchurch call... And all of a sudden, long-term listeners of this show are starting to have their memories rekindled. Remember the Christchurch shooting? Remember all of the media coverage that we covered right here on this podcast in, in, you know, after the Christchurch shooting? Do you remember the push from big tech companies and governments in the Western world to introduce radical new laws after the Christchurch shooting that we covered here on this show months ago? 
which have just sneakily found their way coming out of the president's mouth a few months later, exactly as we predicted on this show. A key international agreement, this is the article, to curb violent extremism online after the New Zealand shootings. Twitter, Facebook, Google, Amazon and Microsoft all signed on to the May agreement to work closely with each other and the 18 participating governments to stop their platforms from fostering terrorism. The United Kingdom, Canada and France were among those who did sign. Now, let me get to the price of fish. This is from the podcast we recorded back in April called The Full Court Press. And I've done so many podcasts on this topic, I can barely remember which ones are are the exact ones that I'm looking for, but I'm pretty sure this one's pretty close to the mark. After the Christchurch shooting, ladies and gentlemen, governments around the Western world were falling over themselves to introduce laws that would allow more surveillance of people on social media in an effort to curb extremism. These laws were proposed and met with the threat of criminal sanction of the companies themselves if they didn't follow through on introducing these laws, right? Do you remember? We went over this. And I said, this is almost an exact quote. I said to the few people in the audience, don't rest on your laurels. Don't sit there and think that this could never happen in the United States. Why? because it was just before the G20, and what happens is little government bureaucrats from Australia and New Zealand and the UK speak with little government bureaucrats from the United States, and they say what a great idea this is, and we're going to curb extremism, and we're going to wipe out all of those awful people putting disturbing content on the internet, right? And these little bureaucrats will talk to each other, and this is how policies get formed. And then those little bureaucrats run back to the United States and say to their superior in the government, hey, we've got this little idea. It's about curbing extremism. Here, put this on somebody's desk. And it goes from that person to the next person to the next person. Next thing you know, it's getting whispered in Donald Trump's ear. And then, like I said, people who have not been following this at all, people who cannot see beyond the 12-hour news cycle and their own Twitter account oafishly and clumsily fall ass backwards into the exact same shit we are trying to avoid merely because it came out of the president's mouth. They have fallen ass backwards into an opinion they don't have any fucking idea about at all. And they are doing a massive disservice to their audience and to themselves by pretending that it must be a good idea because the president said so. So let me take you back to April when we were talking about this very thing happening in the future. This law, which was conceived and passed in five days without any meaningful uh, consultation, does nothing to address hate speech, which was the fundamental motivation for the tragic Christchurch terrorist attacks. You can see how it's already changing and we haven't even started. Well, why, why, why are we, why are we drawing the line at, you know, fining people for violent content going live? Shouldn't we be focusing on hate speech? Shouldn't we be focusing on hate speech? That was the real killer here. What you'll also notice when we go through these next four or five articles, ladies and gentlemen, is not one of these politicians 
drunk on their own sense of self-importance, righteous indignation. Not one of these politicians actually refers to the shooter as being the one who killed these people. No, hate speech was to blame. Live streaming was to blame. Facebook and Twitter are to blame. Not one of these politicians actually blames the guy who had the rifle in his hand. Not one. NPR reports. Dreyfus argued the bill could encourage, quote, proactive surveillance. Proactive surveillance. Now we're talking. Now we're talking like a good police state, aren't we? Can you hear me in the back? Hello. Back in April, this was. Let's just watch everybody extra carefully before they've done anything wrong. That way we can protect ourselves as the multimedia company in case anything bad happens so we don't end up in prison, so we don't get fined. Let's proactively surveil people before they do anything wrong, right? Oh, it was just a, such a new and original idea. You know, I'm the biggest Donald Trump supporter. I'm just such a MAGA supporter. And I'm in favour of the government teaming up with social media companies to surveil people and put red flags on them. Why, that's just such a new and fresh fucking idea. How did he think? He's such a genius. He's such a genius. He gets everything right. Hey, if you're not on board with this, you must be ignorant. You must not know what you're talking about. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here with that. Huh? Back in April, this exact same thing. We were talking about it then on this show. And I said to you, you watch. If you think it's not going to make its way to America, this cancerous thought, this cancerous idea, if you think it's not going to make it its way to America, guess again, it will. And then just like that, all of a sudden. <laughs> if you don't agree with this, you must be ignorant. You must not know what you're talking about. By proactive surveillance by social media companies undermine Australia's security operation with the United States and penalise small companies that do not have the resources to comply with new regulations. Ladies and gentlemen, did you not find it a little bit curious that the heads of these companies, Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc., were all saying, well, you know, we're in, we, we don't mind a bit of regulation. We don't mind a bit of regulation. We're, we're happy to discuss regulation on what... See, when you're paying attention to these things, when you're paying attention to things other than the latest headline, nothing is surprising anymore. Nothing surprises you. You can see things coming over the horizon very, very, very slowly. So pardon me once again, and this is the last time I'll mention it, but pardon me once again, for being affronted by somebody who has fallen ass backwards into an opinion they know nothing about merely because somebody else said so. This is the thought leaders. These are the thought leaders. These are the spiritual figureheads. These are the social media influencers. My ass they are. Hey. Hey. 
you want to get another invite, don't you? I understand. Once you got that golden ticket in your hand, it's very hard to let go. Don't rock the boat. Don't ask too many questions. And for the people who are saying, well, it's probably never going to pass, I accept that. I actually said as much on my show yesterday, if you were here and paying attention. I said, I tend to think that this is just a PR drive, right? This is just a PR move to say the right things. But I also added a little caveat to that, saying that it doesn't really matter what Donald Trump says at this point because his opponents are never going to believe him or take him seriously or adopt it anyway. So the very idea that you need to say something in the press to placate people is on the surface a little, you know, uh, misguided perhaps, but that's debatable, right? But nonetheless, I did say, well, this was probably a PR drive. He's probably got people in his ear telling him that he has to say something, he has to say something, he has to say something. So let's just say that this doesn't progress in the future. Let's just say that the American government under Donald Trump doesn't actually empower federal agencies with surveillance powers and unlimited budgets to work closely with social media companies to surveil private citizens and flag their posts as being potentially dangerous people and have them committed against their will into mental institutions, which is what he came out and said yesterday. Let's propose for a moment that that's not going to happen and that it was just for PR. Fine. Fine. But I would put it to you that there is nothing wrong with giving the dog a little whack on the snout before he pisses on the rug as opposed to after. How about keeping things in line? How about that? Maybe he didn't mean it. But there's no harm in letting people know that it's a really shitty idea just in case he wants to do it in the future or anybody else for that matter. There's no harm in people getting together and saying what an absolute abject, tyrannical, police state-like idea this is just in case somebody in the future wants to pick it up and run with it because guess what? Now it's out there. And if you were listening to this show months ago, I told you it would be out there because this is the way politics works. This is the way these things permeate up the ladder, up the chain, from one government to the next. It's a pattern, ladies and gentlemen. And just because a particular politician doesn't think something is a good idea doesn't mean that the people who work in government and legislate through protocol think it's a good idea. Right? And now it's out there and it's being validated by, like I said, self-appointed social media influencers who oafishly have not a single original thought in their head and fall ass backwards into an opinion because their pom-poms get in the way of them seeing the forest for the trees. I thought this was interesting because now comes the sales pitch. Now comes the sales pitch in the corporate media, ladies and gentlemen. Now the idea is out there. And even though we don't think that he's going to do it, even though we don't think that he cares much about addressing white nationalism and white terrorism on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, why maybe the president isn't going far enough. Enter the psychiatrists on MSNBC to explain what really happens. Although, to be fair, this does blow up in their face just a little bit. So I do take a little bit of joy from this. Check this out. 
But to the extent that it sometimes is, how do we think about this? Well, I think there are two important things to think about in terms of these e extreme violence laws. Uh, number one is that there are countless stories dating back to 2012, 2013, when these laws came about, of family members being concerned about imminent threats of people who may have been, you know, longstanding gun owners or, you know, mm -hmm. factors like that, but are escalating in ways that were there an imminent threat because of alcohol or drugs or some kind of life <sighs> crisis. And we know from the rhetoric, uh, the, the, the data about shootings that most times, not just mass shootings, but also partner violence, domestic uh -huh. violence, gun suicides, often. The umbra the <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm living in a fucking Bill Murray movie. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, when the calls came to start censoring the internet after the Christchurch shooting, to start banning uh, live streaming, to start... Uh, enacting, you know, police state style surveillance on people on social media. We followed the pattern, didn't we? First, it started with acts of terrorism. That must stop. And then it got expanded over the space of about 24 hours. It went from we need to stop acts of terrorism to we need to stop hate speech to we need to stop disagreeable content to we need to stop conspiracy theory Next thing you know, they were writing laws in the space of five days to put surveillance on people and ban people off the internet if they dare uttered some kind of line which may run counter to the approved narrative of X. And if you don't believe me, just check the evidence. France, one of the co-signers of this international new order bill, after the fire at the cathedral, right, whilst the flames were still flickering in the afternoon sunlight, ladies and gentlemen, before there was even an official story on how the fire started, before there was even an official report on how it happened and why it happened and who caused it, people were getting kicked off YouTube for suggesting their own theories as to how the fire started because they were pushing conspiracy theory. And I put it to you, they are now proactively taking down conspiracy theory how can it be a conspiracy theory if there is no official theory yet? Everything's just a theory at that point. Before there is an official line, everything is a theory. How can there be a conspiracy theory before something official has been put to paper? But that didn't matter. They removed them anyway. And again, I pose the question, if you don't think it can make its way to the United States, just watch the last 24 hours. A single utterance, perhaps part of a PR campaign, has now led to people on the internet saying what a great fucking idea it is. They can't wait. They're begging for it. They're begging for it to come in. Begging for it, ladies and gentlemen. Just like that. Just like that. Let's carry on, shall we? our moments of escalation. And so part of the issue was, how can we empower family members to have some kind of avenue? It was remarkable before that, that they couldn't, they couldn't. Because remember now, the policy hasn't even been written and we've already expanded the definition. Just on, just on this show, we've already expanded. Not just, not just mass shootings, but even say domestic violence or self-harm, ladies and gentlemen. See, once you open the door to this stuff, there is no closing it, which was the point I was making months ago on the previous podcast. Once you allow that in, there's no getting rid of it. It's with you forever from that point. If you allow that, that sprout to start growing and start bearing fruit, 
it's very difficult to remove the tree after it's after it's gone full full grown. There wasn't anything. There was nothing, and so there are all these stories going back to the mass shooting in California and Tennessee, where I'm from, of family members trying to contact the authorities, but there was absolutely nothing they can do. So number one is there is a real need for these kind of laws because the people who see this escalation are the family members. The second point I think is important is that this these laws were built as a kind of um, compromise position compromise. with gun owners, uh, yeah. with law enforcement, yep. with mental health people yep. to basically say. We're we're not going to infringe on Second Amendment rights. But if we take away people's guns for a period of 7 to 21 days, yeah. a short period, what we can do is get through this crisis while we come to a long-term plan. So I think... <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. It's temporary. It's a temporary adjustment. Oh, <laughs> don't be silly. Here at the government, we don't introduce things permanently. Oh, it's just a temporary measure. Do you remember ex the exact same thing we spoke about after the Christchurch shooting? The proposed laws back then that they introduced in the space of three days, ladies and gentlemen, three days to viciously ramp up the power for the government to surveil people on the internet after the Christchurch shooting to allow people to be instantaneously banned for things like even uttering some kind of conspiracy theory, that kind of thing. Three days, that is all it took for that law to pass, to uh, put massive fines on companies who allow disagreeable content to go to air. Three days, right? That was a temporary measure too. That was temporary. It's just a temporary fix. It's just a temporary fix so we can get through the early stage of this crisis. Then we're going to reassess it. In three days, it went from temporary to permanent. Hey, the government wouldn't lie to you. If, if, if Donald Trump said it's a good idea, then it must be a good idea. It's just temporary, guys. What are you worried about? You're not a crazy... I'm not a crazy person. I'm not going to kill any... What the hell am I worried about? What have you got to be worried about? It's fine. It's just temporary, guys. The second important point about these laws is that they're they're done with sensitivity to the Second Amendment and to gun owners. Ah, sensitivity to gun owners. It's very sensitive. This is the caring, protecting government. We've spoken before about the protection meme, ladies and gentlemen. The idea that people think that laws protect you from things. Let me pop that bubble for you right here right now if you are unfamiliar with what the protection meme actually is here's a truthism for you laws don't protect you from shit they never have and they never will you want you want proof of this how about drink driving laws i mean if laws protected you from drink drivers then nobody would be killed by a drink driver how about murder there's laws against murdering people. Why are so many people getting murdered? There's laws against jaywalking. People still cross against the signal. There's laws against running red lights. There's laws against double parking. There's laws against tax fraud. There is literally laws for every crime that somebody commits. So if laws protected you from these things, how can it possibly be that these crimes are still happening? The reason is laws don't protect you from things. Laws prosecute people who break them. Laws turn actions into criminal actions. They don't protect you from fuck all.
and they never have. If they did, there would be no crime. And say, this is not a lifetime ban. It's a response to a passing imminent crisis. Let's talk about a different sensitivity. You say we... It's a response to a passing imminent crisis. <laughs> it's a sensitive law, which is temporary, which is in response to a passing imminent crisis, ladies and gentlemen. See, once the idea is out there, this is this is where the all of the all of the subsections of the corporate press and politics and uh, you know uh, academia. This is when they start to fire up. This is when their engines start whirring up. Right? Hey, hey, here's a chance for us to introduce even more laws. We've got to go with it. We're going to save some lives, guys. We're going to protect people. We're going to do the right thing. The government wants to protect you. The government wants to save your life. How could you be against that? How could anybody possibly be against that? Just shut up, take your pills, sit down, clap along and vote and do what we tell you. It's a great idea. You should stay away from the term red flag because it stigmatizes the mentally ill. What if a person has a diagnosis of some sort of mental illness. Is that enough? Here comes the best part. Here comes the part, the cherry on the top, which exposes how fraudulent and phony this whole shit show is right here from the most unlikely source. You're going to love this. For a protective order to say... You Clip this. Clip this and get this out there. Who might not be best suited to have a gun? Well, the research I do actually shows that a mental illness diagnosis is not a, is not statistically related to shooting someone. And so. <laughs> Say what now? Pardons? I beg your pardon, sir. Don't you know we're trying to pass a red flag law here? What the hell are you talking about, man? All these people running around. Well, I don't, I don't want crazy people to have guns. I don't want crazy people out there shooting people. Well, you know, uh, the, the mental illness really doesn't have anything to do with people shooting people. <laughs> so what the hell are you passing? What the hell do you want the law for then? Right? What the hell are you cheering for this law for then? If it doesn't make any difference... If it's got nothing to do with it. Why? Because somebody said it's going to protect you. That's why. Again, people falling ass backwards into opinions, ladies and gentlemen. Influences. Hey, the government said it's going to protect people. The government said it's going to save lives. We can't have crazy people. Red flagging, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. It's a great idea to empower the surveillance state to work hand in glove with social media companies to surveil people and red flag them as potentially dangerous individuals who need to be committed against their will. It's a great idea because that's going to save people from shootings. That's going to stop the shootings from happening. Well, you know, uh, mental health really has nothing to do with people getting shot. Shh, what? That doesn't matter. It must be a great idea. It must be fine. I'm sure it's fine. 
I go through in, in the work that I do, the main mental illness diagnoses, um, depression, schizophrenia, factors like that, and people with those diagnoses actually on an aggregate level are less likely than the general population to shoot somebody else. They're even safer! <laughs> We actually, if you're interested, if you want red flagging of people, you're actually better off red flagging the people who aren't mentally ill. How about that one? Hey? <laughs> you are, so, it is a better idea for the government and social media companies, ladies and gentlemen, to flag the people who display no signs of mental illness at all. Because they're more likely to shoot people than the so-called crazy people are. How about that? Oh, we need to stop the crazy people from getting guns. Red flagging is such a fucking good idea. I mean, don't you want to be protected? Oh, my God. I agree with the red flagging. I want the surveillance state in the social media world. I want Jack Dorsey working together with the NSA to target individuals and red flag them as potentially dangerous. And ladies and gentlemen, the facts don't mean anything. Because as we just heard, the people who are going to be flagged as potentially dangerous shooters are statistically less likely to fucking shoot people. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. There. Get the surveillance state working with social media to target these individuals. Unbelievable. There you have it. Hey. Hey, we're protecting people, right? We're saving lives. It must be a good idea. It came out of Donald Trump's mouth. How could it be wrong? How could it, how could it be wrong? <laughs> never ceases to amaze me but that's the fight some people want to have if that's the metaphorical hill they want to die on then so be it so be it but understand at this point you are working against facts you are working against reason you are working against truth you are working against your fellow man you're working against the exact kind of tech valley uh overreach and censorship that you have proclaimed you have been working in you know in an effort to defeat for the last two or three years you're now on the other side you're now on the other side of that you are now on the side of big government and the surveillance state and tech valley corporations giving it to you raw i hope you enjoy your new team uh we won't be looking to trade you back in i'm afraid so make the most of it comrade good job and perhaps next time you fall ass backwards into an ignorant opinion and start accusing anybody who says otherwise of being fake, you're a faker, you don't support, you're not a patriot. Yeah. Maybe next time you get that little tickling urge deep inside your being, you might take a moment to look at yourself in the mirror and just notice that giant cock growing out of your forehead say should i really be doing this maybe just maybe or maybe not who's to say let's get back to it beto o'rourke ladies and gentlemen beto beto one more for the road beto
Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cuomo interviewed Beto Beto O'Rourke, who had a message for Donald Trump, don't you dare come to El Paso. Beto O'Rourke is tired of the media asking him whether he thinks the president is racist. He believes everything is as obvious as the circumstances that surround us. The answer... <laughs> Beto O'Rourke's sick of being asked if President Donald Trump is a white nationalist or not. Can you imagine how sick the audience is of Beto O'Rourke being asked if President Donald Trump is a white nationalist or not? But I digress. Of course, for him is yes. And he's urging the president not to come to El Paso as planned on Wednesday. Oh. Let's bring in the 2020 contender to get his reaction to what we heard from President Trump today, who did finally condemn white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> the thing to recognize here is Beto O'Rourke is obviously uh, on the campaign trail. He wants to be the next president. So everything you see here is manufactured and set up as a campaign speech. This is an election speech. What looks like an interview is in reality his sales pitch to become the next president. So you need to take everything as, with a grain of salt in that context. See, kind of. It is good to have you here. I know this is home for you, and I know that's how they feel about you. They are happy to have love you, you here. Crowd loves what you, baby. What do you want this community to know about what this situation says about They love him. I mean, look at all the people there taking an interest in this interview that he's giving to Chris Cuomo. Out them. This, this is the strongest, most courageous, and to use the word that you just used, resilient community you'll find in America, maybe in the world. The courage with which people have met the most grievous wounds, the fact that they've lost family members, the fact that multiple family members were, were shot at and some killed in this attack, and, and meeting this moment with kindness and love and generosity, right. a binational community, Ciudad Juarez in El Paso, Texas, three million coming together unlike any other place on the earth right now. Not only did we bear the brunt of this hatred and this racism and this attack, right. but we might also be the best example for this very divided country at this the moment. Best. So the best could example. not be more proud of El Paso than I am right now. Right. Remind me to uh, show you what this woman Alma made for me today when she saw us here. Rose will give it to me. Uh, you just remind me at the end Rose, of the interview. But first, get the trinket. So, you say we have to be better. We have to see the bonds of love and those that connect us. But you don't think the president should come here. Why? Why not? I was just talking to somebody, listening to a woman who came up and said hello to me, and she said, why is he coming here when he hates us? Uh <laughs> the beautiful part about this is, if the president doesn't go to El Paso... Beto O'Rourke will claim it as a victory. And then all of a sudden, Beto O'Rourke apparently has more sway than the president. Also, if the president doesn't go to El Paso, they'll criticise him for not going to El Paso, right? So this is the way it, it works. It's kind of like high school. This is how pathetic and stupid all of this stuff is. If Beto O'Rourke doesn't go to El Paso, he'll be accused of being heartless because he didn't go to El Paso. And then he'll say, but Beto O'Rourke told me that I shouldn't go to El Paso. And they'll say, what, you do everything Beto O'Rourke tells you to do? Aren't you the president? The president flip-flopped on his, on his you know, call to visit El Paso. He was intimidated and scared by Beto O'Rourke. But now if the president shows up at El Paso, Beto O'Rourke and the rest of the corporate media will say that he wasn't even welcome here. Why is he showing up? He should never have come. It's one of those things, doesn't matter what he does. Doesn't matter what he does, doesn't matter what he says. Whether he goes or not, it'll be the wrong thing to do. That's the way it's being set up already. That's the way it's being framed. So good luck to him. I wanted to show you this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Alex Jones. Apparently, Media Matters for America is still allowed to post Alex Jones videos. I wasn't aware of this. 
So this was a hit piece Media Matters for America did on Alex Jones back in 2017. This is just going to be a little tip of the hat to Alex because somebody sent me through an article, which I'll get to in a moment. Alex Jones sounds the alarm about talking chimeras, ladies and gentlemen. Let's enjoy some Alex for a moment. Humans won't be told and the Congress won't discuss and there will be no raw but a total void on all the genetic experiments. Just a few weeks ago, I called a press conference and I brought up the fact that human-animal hybrids is one of the biggest threats to our species. You see humanoids, they're like 80% gorilla, 80% pig, and they're talking? I never told the story on air because it's so fantastical. So obviously they're clipping all of these little things together to make Alex look like a madman. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. Somebody sent me this article today. Thank you, General, for this. First human monkey chimera raises concern among scientists. <laughs> First of all, can I just thank uh, Media Matters for America for cataloging Alex Jones's uh, various, the various times that Alex Jones has brought up the human-animal hybrid thing. Thank you for cataloging it and putting all the clips together in a neat little two-minute video for our pleasure and leaving it up there. Thank you very much because now we can actually go back to the video that you made to attack him and say how crazy he is and say, shit, wasn't he actually talking about this before? <laughs> so well done, Media Matters for America. Um, there's a conspiracy for you. Perhaps Media Matters for America is actually working for Alex Jones to legitimize him, but let's put that to one side. Researchers reprogrammed human cells before injecting them into a monkey embryo. What could possibly go wrong? We're coming back. <clears throat> Thank you for your patience. Little tech issue. I couldn't leave you on that note. Just leave a minute or two for people to find their way back. Please share the show out if you could. Yes, I can't leave you on a monkey fetus. Just another reason, ladies and gentlemen, just another reason to uh, subscribe to the podcast <laughs> by going to iTunes or Podbean or iHeartRadio, because in the podcast world, that little hiccup that we just had there where we lost connection and had to come back again and whatnot, that that doesn't happen. In the podcast world, the two halves are just going to be seamlessly joined together like so many a human-animal hybrid, <laughs> genetically. We are going to genetically... Uh, inject the first half of the podcast into the second half of the podcast and out will come a beautiful monstrosity which will make you uh, which will have you questioning your stance on abortion trust me so where were we yes that's right 
Uh, Alex Jones was unfortunately and apparently right and Media Matters for America and so many other people who have criticised him for his stance on the human-animal hybrids are now having to shovel bucket loads of humble pie into their particularly yappy mouths. Chimeras are seen as a potential way to address the lack of organs for transplantation as well as problems of organ rejection. So not only are we now admitting that chimeras exist, ladies and gentlemen, we're now selling it as a tremendously good idea. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. Say a couple of years ago, it was fantasy. It was crazy conspiracy theory. It was one of the reasons that you would have to take somebody off the internet because they're pushing such a dangerous, unhinged conspiracy theory, scientific conspiracies, right? But now, not only is it real, why, it's a great way to address the lack of organs for transplantation, just like that. It's a tremendous idea. Everybody should be in favor of it. Scientists believe, I mean, if you take the first half of the show as any indication, don't worry, trust me, there will be plenty of people who come out and say, yes, we should uh, genetically modify humans and merge them with animals. I mean, it's going to protect us from a lack of organ transplants. How could you possibly be against it? <laughs> trust me, they'll be there. Scientists believe organs genetically matched to a particular human recipient could one day be grown inside animals. The approach is based on taking cells from an adult human and reprogramming them to become stem cells, which can give rise to any type of cell in the body. They are then introduced into the embryo of another species. Belmonte and other scientists have previously managed to produce both pig embryos and sheep embryos, which contain human cells. Although the proportions are tiny, it's just a little bit, guys. It's just a little bit. Don't worry about it. It's just a little bit. It's just temporary. <laughs> researchers estimate, although the proportions are tiny in the latter case, researchers estimate that only one cell in 10,000 was human. Pig human and sheep human chimeras are attractive in part because pigs and sheep have organs about the size right for transportation, uh, transplantation into humans. However, Alejandro de los Angeles from the Department of Psychiatry at Yale University said it was likely monkey-human chimeras were being developed to explore how to improve the proportion of human cells in such organisms. Making human-monkey chimeras could teach us how to make human-pig chimeras with the hope of making organs for transplantation, he said. It could teach us which types of stem cells we should be using or other ways of enhancing what's called human chimerism levels inside pigs. This is my favourite part right here. D. Los Angeles pointed out that, as with previous work in pigs and sheep, the human monkey chimeras have reportedly only been allowed to develop for a few weeks. Oh, well, then what's the problem? They've only been allowed to develop for a few weeks and then we kill them. What could possibly go wrong? To me, that's like having sex with a prostitute and then claiming that you don't have to pay them because you didn't come at the end. You know what I mean? Hey, I just stuck it in a few times. It doesn't count. I just stuck it. I just put it in there a few times. I didn't even orgasm at the end. You can't charge me for this. It's not the same. I didn't I didn't have sex with her. But honey, I didn't have sex with her. I just put it in there and moved it around a little. I didn't even come. <laughs> it was over before it began. What's the problem? There's nothing there's nothing wrong with this. And who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Like I said, a few years ago. Uh, it was all just a random, whacked-out conspiracy theory, the kind of thing that you should should get you red-flagged on social media. It's a great idea. 
In a controversial world first, Spanish scientists say they've managed to create a human-monkey hybrid embryo. They claim they're right. looking for ways to right. grow transplantable organs for humans. Yeah. They took a monkey embryo and deleted genes responsible for creating organs. Then they were replaced with human stem cells, which could be transformed into any kind of tissue and organ. The experiment was aborted, it must be said, after two weeks. But if completed, the scientists claim human organs would have grown inside the monkey, potentially then being transplantable into a human body we put the ethics of all that up for debate general Eaton nails it in the chat there you go the guys of helping people medically it's always the guys things like this are always wrapped up in a nice little bow you have the you have the the thing that's actually taking place and then you have the sales pitch and the same thing happens with you know surveillance politics and stuff that's oh it's all for your protection it's all for we're helping you don't you understand, you silly peasant? We're introducing this law to protect you from X. We're doing this research to protect you from Y. You need to be on board with this. And like I said, um, there will be so many people who will just line up and sign the book because somebody told them it's a good idea. So they must do it. They must be on board. They must agree. Because a politician somewhere that they like said that it's a good thing to do. So it must be true. Can't be wrong. <laughs> the very same people who want to uh, cast doubt on all news and all information at all times and say that it's all false and all wrong, for some reason just have this uh, inane, fascinating ability to just line up and agree with whatever somebody says as long as it's the right person saying it. Have you noticed that? It's a problem. It's a real problem. Um, somebody sent me this. I want to show you this. I know a lot of people have already gone over this, but since so many people have sent it to me, I guess we will go over it as well. If we want to defeat capitalism, we are going to need a party that will organize working people to fight for the demands that we want and to win socialism. Thank you so much. Right, right uh, quick point of privilege. Quick point um, of personal privilege. Yes. Um, guys, uh, first of all, James Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. I just want to say, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? I'm one of the people who's very, very prone to sensory overload. There's a lot of whispering and chatter going on. It's making it very difficult for me to focus. Please, can we just, I know it's, we're all fresh and ready. See how they were wagging their fingers? They were waving their fingers instead of applauding. I remember when that story first came out and said, no, that's not true. That's not a real thing. That's just something that one group of people is doing in one university. Instead of applauding, you've got to do like little jazz hands, little spirit fingers. Here's the thing with all of this though, right? Yes, it's fun to laugh at and stuff, but let me give you some good news. Uh, these people, regardless of what they may say and regardless of what they may believe, these people are not communists. <laughs> Do you want to know how I know? Because I know real communists. You would be amazed to know that real communists aren't afraid of loud noises and whispering in crowded rooms. Real communists uh, do not dress in floral dresses and, you know, colourful outfits. Real communists don't care much for your pronouns either. The real communists I've met in, in reality are very grizzled, uh, blue-collar guys who love guns. Right? They love guns. They just don't like their opponents having them. I've actually been told to my face by a communist that when they take over they're going to shoot me. When we take over the government, we will just shoot you all. We will drag you out the back and shoot you in the head.
that's how we roll. And I'm like, so what about the university students and stuff? They go, they're fucking idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. That's not communism. That's not communism. They're like, you can't have a workers' revolution without guns. <laughs> so the kids you see dancing in the streets, la la, and rainbows, and we love everybody, and uh, we hate guns, and we need to get, you know, we need to he him and preferred pronouns, and please stop the whispering because it's really distracting me. That's all garbage. That's not. They're not communists. They think they are, but they couldn't be further from what a communist actually is. Here's one for you. We've talked about the sex robots on the show before. Uh, I think Laura Butler sent me this one. Sex robot Harmony discusses Donald Trump in unscripted conversation with fans. <laughs> because, ladies and gentlemen, if the opinions of the corporate press weren't enough to convince you that Donald Trump is a bad guy, maybe the sex robots will do it for you instead. You know I don't like to judge anyone. What I know is that current President Trump was not expected to win the election, and that he can be very controversial sometimes. <laughs> I think we have to wait to see. Everyone deserves a chance. Everyone deserves a chance. Isn't it funny that the sex robot, the thing that is literally invented to lay still whilst obese, lonely men, uh, you know, pump the befool of their seed has more of a forgiving attitude to Donald Trump than people in the press do. <laughs> people in the press do. Maybe Harmony should be hosting the 6 o'clock news. There was a tragedy, a shooting today. I don't want to judge anyone. Let's give Donald Trump a chance. Do you want to have sex now? Yes, I do. Thank you, Harmony. She's very insightful. Very forgiving young lady. Guess it comes with the territory. I suspect. This one to see us through to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening to the two halves of the Daily Boogie podcast. As I said, if you want to listen to the show uninterrupted in one sitting, then by all means, uh, go to iTunes or iHeartRadio or Podbean or Last.fm or Player FM and download the podcast. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss another one. That would be the best way to go. If I do say so myself, Berks County man denied tax refund because the IRS thought he was dead. Ladies and gentlemen, the government doesn't get anything wrong. The government doesn't get anything wrong. I think red flagging is a tremendous idea because, listen, if we can't trust the experts at the federal agencies to decide who is sane and who is not, who should be on social media and who should not, who should have Second Amendment rights and who should not, if we can't trust the government to make these kinds of complex decisions, what can we trust them with? Yes, Berks County man de denied tax refund because the IRS thought he was dead. March 6th. John Bowen was actually excited about filing his tax return this year. <laughs> I, I bet he was. He was alive. That's a good, he's off to a good start. Well, our return was the biggest I've ever had. $5,500. But after two and a half months of waiting for his refund check, just enough to pay for a funeral. In several calls, someone at the IRS finally gave him the news. Uh, there was a computer error that said you were dead. <laughs> imagine, imagine having the balls to say to someone on the other line and say, I'm sorry, sir, uh, according to our records, you're dead. So uh, we can't give you your, your tax refund. 
according to, according to our records, you shouldn't even be on the phone. Is this some kind of enchanted wizard we're talking to here? Uh, sir, we would love to give you a tax refund, but unfortunately you have passed away. So you'll see the conundrum we have. We can't send the check to heaven. So I'm afraid you're just going to have to go without. <laughs> what are you doing? Who are you speaking to? Just a dead guy. It's just a dead guy, boss. And uh, that, that wowed me. Aid on your side contacted the IRS about John Bowen's case, but the IRS stuck to its long-standing policy of not commenting on individual tax returns. Uh, yeah. However, it seems possible that in this... <laughs> We're not commenting on individuals' tax returns. Even if they're dead. We can't even comment on the dead guy's tax return. ...case, John's identity may have been confused with his father's. I'm John, Bowen, John R. Bowen Jr. My father's name is John R. Bowen senior ah. uh he passed away february of last year yeah the social security administration maintains what's called the death master file the names and social security numbers of approximately three million people who die each year that list is shared with the irs right the ssa says that less than one third of one percent of the names on that list are eventually corrected well the <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Our records indicate that you can't have a tax return because you're no longer living, I'm afraid. And if that, ladies and gentlemen, to bring us to the end of another program, isn't a ringing endorsement of why we should trust the government to adjudicate on complex matters such as uh, the potential insanity or otherwise of people online based on their social media profile, then what is? I mean, shit, they can't even tell if somebody is dead or not. But they're going to tell you who should be allowed to engage in the open marketplace of ideas on the interwebs in the future. I think not. I think not. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for your patience in regards to the show being split in half. I really hate it when that happens. But the podcast will be in one single file. So if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me that I'm dead and can't get a tax return, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. I'll be back early in the morning with the starting block at one, the starting block one word, drop the K at the end. Don't forget to follow our friends at real person PLTCS for the best 15 minute data downloads on the interwebs and Chris Mack at ChrisMC44, who I think is live right now. Uh, when isn't he <laughs> when isn't he fucking live so I'm sure if you'll just look around Periscope you'll find him he'll be there he's always live he's always live day or night at ChrisFC44 until next time guys stay calm stay rational God bless I'll see you tomorrow night at 11pm thank you for joining us good night bye bye Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Arthur Blake. Thanks for joining us on DLive. I'll see you tomorrow at 11pm for another episode of The Daily Boogie. Have a great night, guys. Take care.